Welcome to High Gluttony. I'm Gretchen. And I'm Becca. And we're two ladies on an adventure. Listen along every 10 days or so as we cook a dish we like. Quest about cannabis education. Or chat with someone we respect. You can find more information about this episode at highgluttony.com. Thanks for joining us, gluttoneers. Off we go. Let's get to it. How are you doing this week, Becca? I'm pretty good. It's cold out. It mm-hmm. is fun to have it be cold and that I can't get, figure out how to get the temperature even in my house. The <laughs> upstairs is burning up and the downstairs is freezing. So other than that, though, it's a good time to go exploring in Las Vegas because it's cold out. So you can actually experience things without burning in the sun, literally. <laughs> James and I headed to Boulder City and did this hike called the Railroad Tunnel Hike. We went out and you just like start on this pretty even smooth trail and it starts winding around and you get to see Lake Mead over on your left. And then you all of a sudden turn this corner and there's this huge, massive hole in the mountain just dug out. And I guess they built it in five months. It was a series of 30 tunnels or something and only like five or six of them are still existing. It was just a bunch of crewmen who would use dynamite, but then hand dig out these tunnels for the railroad to come and bring supplies in for the Hoover Dam. So it was really fun. So that's what I've been up to. How are you? Awesome. But this week I am very excited. We've been working on my citrus trees and my collection has grown. Two years ago, we had planted a few new citrus. I've had citrus since I moved to California and they were living in pots. But seven years ago, we decided to plant them in the ground and they've gotten huge. So I have this huge grapefruit, huge orange and huge lemon tree. And the grapefruit tree has done great for the last few years. There's 50 something grapefruit on the tree this year. Wow. But this is the first year we actually have a really good crop of lemons coming in. There's at least two dozen lemons on the tree. And I think about the same number of oranges, which I've never really gotten any oranges. So I'm so excited because my orange tree is finally growing. Yay! And I planted a blood orange tree, a kefir lime tree, and a bear slime tree. They're all very small. Those were planted two years ago. And I was really scared that the blood orange tree was going to die, but it's holding on and getting heavy. So we're very excited about that. And the kefir lime also faced a bit of a setback last year when it got really cold. It frosted off all of its leaves. And so I was really scared that it might die. But that one has also come back. Fun. The main reason I wanted it is because... You could use the leaves and the fruit, but since it's chilly today, we are having hot toddies, which brings in that citrus element as well. We got a little lemon in there Mm -hmm. and we are making a orange and cardamom olive oil cake. I'm so excited, but wait, what are you smoking before we, before we dive in? I am having this lady. I'm still not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but hopefully it's at least somewhat correct. Big fan of the product. Love the products. I like this because it does taste nice and fruity, but this one is pretty intense. So I'm going to have to keep myself on the the smaller (laughs) side of the bowl. (laughs) 
because we need Gretchen to be coherent and mm-hmm. talkable. So it <laughs> talkable. Talkable. So the THC is 28.97%. And then the CBD is 0.05%. So nice, nice amount there. But what Just are you smoking? Just a hint of CBD. <laughs> a sprinkle. Sprinkling. <laughs> I don't have any specifics on what this is beyond the name. And it's a purple punch. And I'm using a vape pen. And it tastes purpley. <laughs> and by that, I just mean <laughs> kind of berry. But it's nice. I think it's an indica. But I'm feeling jazzed. Maybe that's because I just had some coffee. And now I've got this hot toddy going. And there's just a lot of things running through my body right now. <laughs> well, if we can take a short little sidetrack on the indica sativa thing. Because... I've been smoking some more indica stuff earlier in the evening and it's fine. I really was very committed to that indica. That's a late evening thing. You can't smoke that earlier in the evening. I'm finding that, yeah, indica, indica couch, indica. No, not the case. (laughs) Not the case for me. It's been the perfect thing to have in the evening when I get home. Totally. I think we, in one of our can requests, we came across something that said that even though yes, there's a difference in those strains, there's also like not a super difference in the strains anymore because most have been hybridized. It's interesting because I think it it just goes to show all the preconceptions we've had about like everything have needed more research. I think one of the major things they're finding about Indica is that it does have some more pain relief type properties more than the sativas. So I think that might be one of the primary differences and not that it's so much relaxing, but it, that it kind of relieves your, your pain more than in a sativa. And so maybe that's why people tend to feel a little bit more relaxed on it. That would that's make sense. Hypothesis. Yeah. <laughs> when you're not in as much pain, it's a lot easier to relax. So mm-hmm. that would make sense for sure. I can vouch but for that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so, so we just got to keep experimenting. We've just got to keep trying things at all different hours of the day, clearly. I'm super excited about what we're making today because I don't know if our listeners remember, but in another episode, we read off a Williams-Sonoma olive oil cake recipe, and I think it had like five different types of berries or something, and all of them needed to be garnished with. It was like a very funny recipe. Olive oil and then berries (laughs) were the major part of that. We wanted to make an olive oil cake. Gretchen's made them in the past. I've never made them. I'm super curious about them and what the difference is between an olive oil cake and just any other cake you'd find. And we are not doing all those berries, though. We're sticking with our citrus theme. And since Gretchen has so many citrus trees just blooming around her we felt like we needed to take advantage of that and avoid any scurvy potential and so (laughs) yes we will not be getting scurvy today we've cut up a lot of oranges at least I had to cut up a lot of oranges because my mandolin is dull I've, I've made a lot of olive oil pastries over the years especially at that place that we will not talk about because we are not giving them any, any air because I'm still bitter. (laughs) Don't fire Gretchen. (laughs) Don't fire Gretchen. She gets bitter. (laughs) But we did also do some 
adventuring into olive oil stuff while we worked there together. So this is intriguing to us as a high gluttony duo because we have a baseline for this. Gretchen a lot more than me as always, but (laughs) we will be using a recipe from Food 52. It's not serious eats. Holy fuck. It's been a while. We're finally branching, maybe, at least for now. We'll see where Gretchen lands next week, but for now. And like Gretchen said, we can't just stick with citrus. So we're doing orange and cardamom olive oil cake from, again, Food 52. For this recipe, we're going to make some candied oranges. And for that piece, we'll need one cup of sugar, one cup of water, and either two cardamom pods crushed or a quarter teaspoon of ground cardamom, and then three oranges thinly sliced. Like Gretchen said, she her mandolin wasn't working for her, so she had to hand slice these. Gretchen has sent me a mandolin as a gift that did work, so luckily <laughs> I didn't have to hand slice, but either way you get to it. So three uh, oranges thinly sliced for <laughs> our candied oranges there. <laughs> And then for the cake, we'll need two eggs, two thirds cup of sugar, one half teaspoon kosher salt, one third cup olive oil, plus two tablespoons, and that's extra virgin olive oil, one teaspoon vanilla extract, five cardamom pods, or one teaspoon ground cardamom, two teaspoons orange zest, two tablespoons freshly squeezed orange juice, one eighth teaspoon baking soda, one half teaspoon baking powder and three fourths cup all-purpose flour and then an additional two tablespoons. I was surprised by the amount of flour. How little it is. Exactly. Yes, I was also surprised at the amount of flour, but you're, because your eggs and the sugar, and I think the candied orange peels are doing a fair amount of the lifting on this cake as far as giving it body. This is my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> But I also was looking at the recipe earlier and where I had pasted it on our script, the flour had gone onto the next page and it was the only ingredient that was on the next page. So I was reading the recipe like over and over going, where, wait, how is this have no flour in it whatsoever? <laughs> I had to read it like three times before I scrolled down enough to see that it was on this, the next page. And I was also like, oh, this isn't a lot, but I think because it's two eggs and the olive oil adds some volume there and the way that that interacts, the eggs are doing, because you're going to whip those a little bit first. So they're doing some of the volume of the cake. And okay. So you don't need as much flour because you just don't. I don't okay. know if that's also related to the putting the olive oil into the cake versus butter, but I don't think so. Hmm. So you've mentioned mandolin and we said something about whipping the eggs what special equipment are we going to need today so we'll repeat our mandolin because that was our first (laughs) special special equipment we are both going to use hand mixers today because becca's birthday is coming up and i sent becca a hand mixer Yay! yay so she doesn't have to get the KitchenAid out all the time I'm so happy. Thank you so much. I love it. I haven't used it. This will be my first christening of it, but I'm yes. ready. I'm excited. I, and our last special equipment will be a springform pan, which Becca did have to go out and get this morning. Yep. And I don't know if I told you, but the store I went to, it wasn't in the kitchen section. And so I was about oh. to text you and say like, so what happens if I can't find one? And then I'm looking up other stores to see like what time they open. And it was in like a seasonal section. So I did end up finding one, but I was surprised oh. by where it was. I could see that though, because like the primary reason most people buy a springform pan and 
how I've mostly used my springform pan throughout my life is for cheesecake. And a lot of people make a lot of cheesecake this time of year. That doesn't, that doesn't surprise me as much as because people would be like, we've used it for a couple of things though. And it is really great for when you do upside down cake. I think mm. it, it is a somewhat nicer option. Sure. It depends though, because you have then run the risk and it is mentioned in this recipe of things leaking out of the pan because it is not a fully sealed pan. So you have to be careful on things, especially like an upside down cake where it's going to be a bit liquidy. So you are going to want to put it into a separate pan underneath that and something flat, like not a cookie sheet because cookie sheets do not have sides, but you want a sheet pan, which has the sides. You need something that's going to collect the stuff. Don't let it fall on the bottom of your oven, as I've done so many times that, believe me, you just don't want to deal with that hot mess. <laughs> Literally, hot, sticky mess. Yeah. All right. So mandolin, spring form pan, and an electric mixer. I also, the only pan they had was nine inches, not eight inches. This one said eight inches. I think it's fine because I'm pretty sure mine is a nine inch pan. It does not <laughs> say on it, but it, it looks bigger than eight inches. What world level are you going to guess this is? Because we've got this extra step at the beginning of doing those candied oranges, so we're going to get to play with some candying again. While this is tricky, this is pretty much the easiest version of candy that you can do, and it's fairly foolproof. So that's our one complicated slash tricky sort of step today. It's a little tricky, but it's not hard. So that lands us firmly in a world level three because it's going to take a little bit of skill. But as I said, this is the easiest sort of candying. And I'll be anxious to hear your world level assessment at the end, Becca, to see if you agree, if it's a three, or if we can maybe drop it down to a two, because it's not that hard. I'll start at a world level three, because for me, this is pretty much a world level one activity, the whole thing. But I know baking is not easy for everyone. So we'll have to get Becca's impressions at the end. So we're going to say smooth three right now and more to come later. Mm -hmm. And then like a high level, what are our steps going to be today? Step one, we make our candied orange slices. Then we'll make our batter. We're going to arrange the orange slices into the pan, add our batter to the pan and then bake. And it does say it should cool for about 10 minutes at the end. So you do have to be a little bit patient. (laughs) Get so hard. Take it out and dig in right away. Which I wouldn't advise anyway, because it's going to be covered in sugar syrup. So that holds heat really well. If you can be a little bit patient, you're going to be rewarded. <laughs> or you won't be able to taste anything for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that does sound like a smooth three to me. I think having you give out that those steps makes me feel pretty comfortable. But I think before we got started on that first step of making the candied orange peels, we wanted to talk a little bit about olive oil because it's pretty interesting. It's pretty fun and obviously plays kind of a unique role in cakes and in this cake today. How does olive oil work in a cake versus butter or a different type of oil? My main takeaway from my research this week on butter versus olive oil, and this is great because it relates back to our butter talk from Parker House Rolls. So I was really excited because I was like, oh, shit, learning and building on our learning, <laughs> building on our learning. I am right about stuff. Butter is a less pure form of fat. When you use olive oil, when you use canola oil or any, any other oil, because your butter and most American butters are 80% fat, as we know, 
and then 20% not fats. That other 20% is 15% water and 5% milk solid. So the proteins, sugars, and, and other things that are mixed in with your fat. So that's what it comes down to. Usually cakes that are made with butter are not quite as tender. They're a little bit more structurally sound. So if you are going for a layer cake or something along that line, and especially if you're doing it with buttercream and heavy things, you want that denser cake to give you structure. Whereas if you're using a liquid 100% oil, you're going to get a much softer, more tender cake. So your application really determines what you should use. It's not that one is better than the other. Now, there are some health benefits from using olive oil versus butter. Butter is not quite as healthy for you. But as we learned in our butter episode, it can provide a lot of valuable nutrients as well. So it's not really about one is better than the other, even though there's the big olive that wants you to be like, olive oil is the only oil you should ever use because it's healthy for you. Most of them have some sort of health benefits. You have to think about who's lobbying you right now. And today it's big oil or big olive oil because that's what we're talking about today. <laughs> Still big oil. Yeah, Still big oil. Maybe a small difference in flavor. And most importantly, the difference though is the, the capacity for butter to help be like, uh, what are they called? The Building boards block. in your wall. Yeah. Um, like a drywall or drywall. But I think yeah, something like that. the real analogy is more akin to like mortar between bricks. Just helping it be a little firmer. Yeah. Okay. So that was the big primary difference is so that you, you have, when you have more fat, you have more fat and it <laughs> makes things more tender. And that's the real advantage of using an oil. That makes sense. What makes a good olive oil? Fresh is best. So you don't want any old stuff. The way it's milled is very important. You want to be pretty gentle with it. The thing it's made on is a frentoyo. You've got a big circular stone and two other big circular stones roll around on top of that stone pretty much the highest end olive oils are made in this method. Even though it's like huge slabs of stone, it is a gentle process of just easing out that oil from the olive itself. And the olive is interesting because you cannot just eat an olive off the tree. It tastes fucking disgusting and it's not good, right? You have to cure it. It's one of the few things that like, who the fuck discovered this in the first place? (laughs) I remember that was one of the funnier points of my tours where I was always talking about the, uh, who the fuck came up with this, but olives that are turned into oil are raw. Thank you for making that distinction. Yes but they're not edible on their own. And then you can either cure them whole or you can turn them into oil. But you've just made me think of something really interesting that I hadn't really considered before. And I don't know why this would have never occurred to me, but then why is olive oil so good? What is it? Because if you're eating the olive itself, is it that the inclusion of the the seed part, is that what makes the oil taste good? Because it should just be that it, it tastes like the olives. So if you're mm-hmm. telling me that an olive off the tree tastes like shit, how do you get to olive oil in the first place? And so you're thinking because it's ground whole with the seeds, with the pit included, that's part of what like balances the flavor. Yeah, that might be something I knew about when we used to work at that place. But I don't think I've ever really contemplated the fact that you have to cure olives, but olives are made from the raw olive. And yeah, if you eat an olive off an olive tree, it tastes terrible. You're not going to come back to that to enjoy again. Like you're not. 
but the process is pretty cool and they're harvested in the winter it's kind of an interesting harvest right they're harvested late november december i think even into january depending Mm. on the year or more likely the type of olive it's just really like raking the olives off the tree just shaking them shaking it (laughs) i couldn't remember if they actually used something that shook the trees where we worked no, I think they, they just did they, it all by hand right yeah they would just put massive nets underneath and then they had little stick things I think that mm-hmm. would help kind of jostle a little but mostly I think they would just be up on ladders just pulling them off it worked well where we worked because they were also growing grapes for wine and so the harvest seasons and the growing cycles complemented each other which is pretty cool I think one of my favorite things would be like after they'd run a cycle of the olive oil and the oil production they would throw lemon peels in there or lemons in there to like help clean but then also run through that cycle again and you'd get infused lemon olive oil very cool I mean, it smelled so good. And it smelled so good. Even even the olives being milled smelled really good. So yeah, Incredible. it must be the seed. Like there must be some chemical in the seed that helps. Well, yeah, it's such an interesting thing. This little kind of fleshy, but sometimes the pits are really big. So the ratio is off a lot with how much like meat you get of an olive to how big the pit is. Another interesting thing that you told me, most of the knowledge I have about life is from Gretchen, but you were the first person to tell me that there there are different like types of olives and that means like they have different shapes and sizes and stuff but that the color of olives that the difference in color is only based on the time that they're harvested it's not like a kalamata is naturally a much darker olive than a castelvetrano or something like what so we've talked a little bit about when they're harvested and how that process is made so you just like slowly grind them out until you get oil produced and it's a really small amount right it takes a lot of olives to get a bottle of oil and I we used to know specifically I used to know that how much then. that was <laughs> this is like a pop quiz for us to obtain one liter so roughly one quart you need 5,200 to 8,000 olives that's a lot a, a ton of olives yields 35 to 50 gallons of oil wow so that's that's yeah pretty significant whereas a ton of grapes does 150 gallons so three times the volume from grapes when you're making wine. <laughs> and that was all very relevant when we were talking about wine and olive oil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So a lot of labor to get the bottle of olive oil that you have sitting in your kitchen, but there are different degrees of quality and standards for that. I think it was also working there that I came to know that there are not really any sort of like real requirements for what extra virgin and organic and all of those labels mean for olive oil in a lot of places. And so you can have a bottle that says like, hey, it's super fancy, but no one has really vetted that they are actually the super fancy olive oil or even all olive oil because there, there is a huge amount of olive oil fraud because it is such a low yielding thing. You have to be really careful about where you get your olive oil from. I would assume that it's a lot harder these days to have olive oil fraud. Sure. Because there are people that actually check shit, you know. Sure. <laughs> there are yeah. agencies for that now. <laughs> but it, there is still a fair amount out there. Yeah, it's, it's sometimes hard to know 
what exactly is in your olive oil bottle. What does extra virgin mean? What does extra extra virgin mean? Like, how do you know what, like, what is the, what does that even mean? To be clear, there is no extra extra virgin. Okay. Just extra virgin, (laughs) virgin, and olive oil. Extra virgin, again, no legal meaning behind this. This is just a purely, this is what we've decided it means situation. We just all agree. Extra virgin should be the very first oil that comes out from the mill. So the way that the Frontoyo has like a little bit of, um, forget exactly the whole system, but I, I believe it, that the mill is angled in and it sort of travels in and out through a tube. Well, this one was also then connected up to a centrifuge. So I think it had right. like an extra step, but if we try to describe the Frontoyo, it's basically like three orange slices, if you will. And you've got one slice horizontal on the ground. And then you've got the other two slices perpendicular to those. So these are vertically aligned and they roll around on top of the, the horizontal slice. At some point, the oil that's made trickles out somehow. <laughs> it's really just the first oil you get out of crushing an olive. So you can keep crushing an olive and getting more, oil, more and more oil out of it. And so the first stuff that comes out, that's what you would hope is your extra virgin so that's the first stuff the really pure like first not even doing hand stuff yeah not even doing hand stuff (laughs) you're pre-teens hopefully not doing any (laughs) hand stuff then the longer you keep milling the olives the more oil will be released but you're having some damage that's coming from the friction of having being, you know, crushed, even in this Frantoyo situation where it's a very gentle machine. So that's the next run of stuff is your virgin. And then once you kind of hit the end of that and you keep going, that's your olive oil. And usually that is the, you know, what you use if you want to cook. If you're cooking with it, it should just be olive oil. You don't want to use your extra virgin or your virgins. Maybe virgin if you're fancy, but you're paying money for those virgin and extra virgin classifications. <laughs> so, so you don't have to cook with them. <laughs> and best not. Like your best flavor is going to come from not cooking those. They, they're meant to be eaten raw, you know, used as a dressing, drizzled on some bread. That's what you want your extra virgin for. You can use the hard, hard ridden stuff for your uh, cooking and such. Mature. You're mature. So how can you tell the difference? And if you're looking for quality in a grocery store, like how do I know I'm buying a good oil? I mean, it's better if you can taste it because one of the qualities you want to be looking for is freshness, even more than do I want regular olive oil or do I want extra virgin? You should taste your olive oil, make sure you like it. It's a good idea to like your olive oil. <laughs> and what should it taste like if it's fresh and good quality? So the fresher your olive oil is, the more spicy it'll taste. And that's just the antioxidants being very fresh in there. They they produce this sort of spicy sensation. I think that's right. Like a peppery kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> and as it gets older, the flavor will mellow out and eventually go rancid. Typically, olive oil lasts about a year maybe two you really want to be finishing your your olive oil sooner than later and the fancier it is probably the more quickly you're going to want to use it (laughs) so sure and you don't want to store it 
like right next to your stovetop where it's hot. You want to try to keep it in sort of a cooler, darker cabinet or something that's out of the sunlight and not right next to your oven heat all the time. Especially your extra virgin. Like your your eating oils should be far away from your stove. I'm careless. I just keep everything in a cupboard next to my stove. So I'm actually doing the worst thing possible, but I go through <laughs> oil pretty quickly. So I'm not as worried about having sure. things go bad. It's it's the stuff <laughs> I put in my pantry that I'm trying to keep long-term. That shit always goes bad because I'm good about it. <laughs> well, yeah, there you go. What else do you think people should know about olive oil? I don't know. I feel like we covered a lot of territory. I mean, really, really rich in antioxidants. It is good for you. So baking with it is a good option. Lots of vitamins, lots of omega-3, right? I think, yes, that's right. That was probably why when we were working in that place, I was always downing the olive oil. I was like, it's good for me. I know, yeah. We actually used to have to lead olive oil tastings. And we thought it would be kind of fun to kind of relive those days a little bit and do a little olive oil tasting together right now. So I am going to start. This is California extra virgin olive oil. It's just got a big O on the top of it. (laughs) First cold press. So I am actually using extra virgin in my cake today because earlier this morning I did taste the existing olive oils in my house and they were too bitter. So I was looking for something a little more mild. And the suggestions in the articles was to do something that's with an arbequinia. So I have an arbequinia based one with Koroniki and Aro, Arbosana, which I don't think I've heard of that one before. So mine is a blend and it's always nice when they do label what is in the bottle. So your more reputable places will label like what type, you know, what type of olives they're using. It should also have a packing date on it. And so you want to look for something that's relatively fresh because, yeah, you can't stand in the store and actually taste olive oil, which is sad. I recommend going places that sell olive oil and tasting the olive oil because it is pretty fun. So she's pouring it just into a little small rounded jar, rounded glass. And so lead us, Gretchen, how do we taste olive oil? This is kind of an unfamiliar thing to a lot of people to just sip oil. So what are we doing? So what you want to do is you want to smell it first. It's a lot like tasting wine, which is nice because we would take people through the wine tasting and then we go, okay, now you drink your olive oil. And they would look at us (laughs) like we were completely insane. Uh Uh-huh. (laughs) and you can you can swirl it like wine the only place you don't want to swirl things is with spirits so you know you're looking to release some aromatics and stick your nose in there and give it a good sniff and I think mine's a little cold so I've got it on the palm of my hand to try to warm Warm it up just a bit I forgot about that step thank you for the reminder Uh because yeah anything that's warmer is going to have more volatile compounds and makes it easier to smell what are you smelling it's grassy. I mean, this, yeah. this one's pretty mild. It is a bit on the buttery side. Doesn't have as much of the grass or the some of the hey. other spicy notes. And then you put it on your tongue and you suck through your teeth just like wine, but you don't spit it out because it's <laughs> olive oil and it's not going to get you drunk. But you might feel a little prickle in the back of your neck, mm-hmm. in the back of your throat and taste a little interesting. Yeah. So like you get some like on your tongue, <laughs> a little bitterness kind of on the sides of your mouth. Mm hmm. Mine must not be super duper fresh because it it's not terribly spicy. It is coming through a little bit here though. Mm. Wow. No date whatsoever. That's surprising. Mine has a date. It's from Spain, but it doesn't have the olives listed. It does say a blend, but yeah. I wish it had it listed. 
it's probably a field blend too. So they may not even know (laughs) that's all gross. Totally. But it gives storage instructions and it says that it has been, we have a long tradition of making high quality olive oil. This is why we voluntarily implement for our extra virgin olive oils with stricter physical and chemical parameters than the ones established by the International Olive Oil Council. So that exists. Yes. There are some regulating bodies, you know, it's not, it's not all the wild west. I mean, so I've got this one. Yeah, this one doesn't have any credentials to it, but I do have my 365 market Whole Foods olive oil, Uh extra virgin olive oil, 100% California small batch cold process. This is certified extra virgin by the applied sensory panel. Mm, And the um, it does have a seal of the olive oil commission of California. I don't know much about that (laughs) body, but fine. It is labeled. Uh, that it was produced in October and November of 2020. So the, the solid, this oil is about a year old and it has a best by May of 2023. So they're giving it a couple of years, but I'm going to taste another one because I'm extra. Extra virgin. Extra virgin. And then you'll have to talk us through our first step of candying our orange peels. Oranges. So I should probably taste this fast and get on with it. <laughs> The olive oil portion of the show is wrapping up. <laughs> Get over it. It's only been 45 minutes. So that one's a lot more woodsy. It's got a more woody flavor to it. It's not as mild, which is why I was like, I got to go to the store and get more mild olive oil. Because if you got something really pungent or really bitter, it is going to add those flavors in. And while I like that quality and it's really peppery, love that quality in a salad and things like that. I wouldn't want to necessarily use this 100% for a cake just because it is so intense. I feel like it would kind of fight the other flavors in my cakes. That's why I'm going, I'm personally going with more mild olive oil for this one. That makes sense. And it does make me think that there's a lot more stability with the other oils and butter because those are probably going to taste a lot more similar, more consistently than your olive oil is because there's going to be different types of production in different locations that it's coming from. And that's still going to be the case with other oils, but it feels like the mysterious blends are always going to play a role. And that's not always going to be the same with like grapes seed oil no no grapeseed oil is pretty straightforward it's from grapeseeds <laughs> what a memory lane and then I, I always remember you if there was any left in the jar you would just grab it and put it on your hand a little and rub it into your yeah. hands yes so because it does but, it is a good moisturizer but nears I learned so much from Gretchen over the years <laughs> I'm an educator without the uh Without the credentials, I guess. <laughs> You're credentialed to me. And talk me through candying our oranges. Our main purpose with the candying of the oranges is to remove some of the bitterness out of the peels. So cooking it helps break down some of those more bitter components and making sure that those get cooked really well. The author of this article, or this, sorry, this recipe, Carolina Gellen, G-E-L-E-N, Gellen. She mentioned that cakes with citrus in them that if you have like big pieces of citrus peel, it reminds her of like Petion and things like that, that usually have a lot of citrus peel in it. And it's not always super pleasant. Just like a bitter chunk in your mouth all of a sudden. Right. And it also tenderizes those peels and breaks things down, activates the pectin a little bit and makes the the whole experience a lot more pleasant and saturating the orange with a bunch of sugar. (laughs) You use a very similar process when you're doing like candied peels. 
but you just use the peel versus the whole slice of orange like we're doing. This is a very visually appealing cake. I'm pretty excited about this cake, actually. Me too. Because you're really just making a simple syrup and then adding your orange slices. And simple syrup is water and sugar. Okay, so we'll use a saucepan. Mm -hmm. And I think this has medium heat. Yep. And then we're going to add that one cup of sugar, one cup of water, and the cardamom. Yep. So we are bringing that to a boil and then we are adding our oranges. Okay. And then we are simmering once it's boiling and we'll simmer them for 15 minutes. It's not a long cook. It's just, we're just waiting for that to really soak in and permeate, break down some of those bitter compounds. So pretty, pretty easy. I hard to go too wrong here. Okay. So we're going to go get some sugar and water boiling. Let's do it. Okay. Here we go. Finally, we're getting up. Oof, we're moving. I have added, ooh, I might add, add a little more water to mine. I put everything in my pan a little bit earlier and I did turn it on so I could melt my caramelized sugar. Ooh, my granulated caramel. And uh, so I apparently cooked it a little bit longer than I thought because it was chunky. Just so our listeners know, I am doing a little bit of an experiment because I was worried about piling all of my orange slices into a pan to cook them. So I am doing this in a bit more of a low, wide pan, more of a saute pan. Than a saucepan. Than a saucepan. So we'll see what the hell are good experiment results today. Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully it's not shit. What attachments am I going to use for the mixer, the hand mixer? We're going to use a beater. Yeah, we're just beating them. A beater? Oh, wait, sorry. Oh, this is annoying. Here's what it says. It says using a whisk or an electric whisker. Uh, Yep, that's exactly what a brain (laughs) is trying to say. So it says using a whisk or an electric mixer. Yeah, so I think that I do. Those two? Yeah, I think those two. Okay. Because you're mixing in a fair amount of sugar and I feel like my whisk will not enjoy beating up a bunch of heavy sugar. Okay. And sorry, which bowl should be bigger, the dry ingredients or the wet ingredients? So the wet ingredients needs to be larger. The bigger bowl. Okay. My stuff is boiling because I put it on power boil. Oh, okay. I was doing more, a more gentle boil. I'll turn it up. Yeah, obviously you had read, (laughs) I believe you read medium and I completely ignored that for some reason. (laughs) So we're both using powdered cardamom today. Mm-hmm. So I had put mine in here earlier. I have to be sure to measure out my extra two tablespoons of stuff. You'll have to let me know if your liquid covers your oranges. Low pan too, because I was worried about the volume not covering my your oranges. But mm-hmm. I'm also thinking they're going to release some liquid. That's partly. Oh, sure. My orange is boiling in the pan there. You hear that? Yeah. <laughs> something going on in my pan. I don't know what it is. It's making like a farting noise, but I'm going to cover mine just so that I don't have any water escapage right now. I forgot to put my cardamom in Oops. this one. And this was just the quarter one, right? Quarter what? Uh, cardamom. Quarter, yes. Quarter teaspoon okay. of cardamom. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Like I need more context. Thank yeah. You. Sorry. <laughs> I'm still not totally boiled. <laughs> Boiling. Okay. Can't see what's going on when I put the lid on. Okay, yeah, the, so they must be releasing a fair amount of liquid because there is there's more liquid in here now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let it like accumulate as much as I can. And then once it's sort of, I'm hoping, mostly submerged. Okay, I've got boiling. Add my oranges. Yay. <laughs> Finally. Mm. Oranges are the one of the best smells. Mm-hmm. So it does basically cover them. Yeah, it's, it's working on it. Not 100%. I might have to... 
do a little gentle moving of some slices. Move some of the top ones down, move some of the bottom ones up so we get some more even coverage. So add the oranges once it's boiling and then turn it to medium low. Okay. And simmer for 15. And then you said you put a lid on yours just to keep some of that moisture in. I did. Yes. What's next? It's onto our cake batter. All right. Can you talk us through the first step for the batter? I've got my sugar and eggs and salt in a bowl, and I am going to beat them with my electric beater. So that's the first step of the batter making. We've preheated our oven too also to 345. Right. Yes. So our oven is ready. And then that's two eggs, two thirds cup of sugar, and a half teaspoon of kosher salt. Are we ready? Almost. I'm putting in my whiskers. Here we go. And what are we looking for? Uh, it's supposed to be whipped until it becomes pale, light, and fluffy. How long do you think that'll be? At least two to three minutes. <laughs> okay. Here Maybe a little bit longer. We've been beating for probably about two minutes now. Mine's pretty light and fluffy. We've got four minutes on the timer now for our orange slices to be done. I'm going to remove my lid as well, since it looks like they've released a fair amount of moisture at this point. Yeah, mine are swimming in liquid. Maybe I was very wrong about how I did this. I got very worried, so I'm learning my lesson. Well, <laughs> it, it just feels like a lot of liquid, so I'm not sure that I'm doing that You're, right. No, you are. It's fine. Okay, okay. Because it did say, like, our goal here is mostly to cook the oranges. That's our main goal. And the peels kind of in particular, like you said, yes. get rid of that bitterness. Yes. So the, the amount of liquid you have left over, not super important. Okay. Cause that's just delicious. Yeah. It's just something good for you. <laughs> I'm looking for more translucidity, but I'm wondering if I don't really need to get them that translucent because they are going to continue to cook when you put them in the oven. I was wondering if we needed to take these out and dry them, but it looks like we're just going from straight from the syrup into the pan. When they're hot? Well, we'll give them a couple minutes to cool. Okay, okay. So I'll have to finish making our batter. Okay. I think we can accomplish our next bit before the timer goes off, although it's only two minutes. Does it might, will it hurt it if it cooks a little longer? Like if we just turn it off the heat? No, I think it'll be fine if we turned off the heat. So let's okay. do that. We'll turn off the timer because it just clicked over to one minute. So we're good. And yeah, I'm going to leave the lid off so that there can be some evaporation. And hopefully, hopefully we've cooked them off on the stove. Okay, our so back to the batter. For our batter, we are going to whisk our egg mixture that has the sugar and salt in it. Slowly drizzle in the olive oil and wait until that's fully incorporated. So we will then add our vanilla extract orange zest, orange juice, cardamom, and baking soda. And you can mix together everything except for the baking soda <laughs> and just have, have that on hand while you're making this. So if you're measuring out your stuff, you can mix together your vanilla extract, orange zest, and orange juice and cardamom. And then mm -hmm. when you go to add it to the mix, then you can add your baking soda at the same time. And immediately after adding our flavor component additions, we're going to add our flour and baking powder mixture, which will have been whisked together. And we're going to fold that in gently. Okay. So just like a two-step kind of thing, except yes. for we're pouring the, pouring the olive oil in slowly and then adding some ingredients. That's kind of two steps on its own. But then the actual second step is adding the flour. Right. And we're going to use the mixer again for the olive oil part, at least. What speed are you going to do? Uh, probably five because you can beat it up still. <laughs> 
Okay, I have a quick question for you. So you said mix everything up except for the baking soda and then add the baking soda in and use like a spatula to combine. You, I use the, the mixer for the baking soda. Oh, but okay. for the just, flour mixture, then I'm going to use the, the spatula. Oh, okay. So I just need to add my baking soda then. I'm, I'm almost done. A little scrapey scrape around the side of my bowl. That's done. Yay. All right. Hand mixer. Oh, we're going to sit the baking powder and flour into the eggs. I don't have a sifter. Can I use a... a do you have a little, anything like this? A screen? mesh strainer? Mesh, mm -hmm. mesh strainer. Okay. Perfect. Got it. That'll work. It's all you need. Okay. Yeah, you don't need fancy sifters. This works perfectly okay. fine. Okay, perfect. Okay, so we're sifting in that three-fourths cup and two tablespoons of yep. all-purpose flour. Oh, yes. <laughs> thought you were going to say two tablespoons of baking powder. It's like, no, not two tablespoons no, no, of baking no, no, powder. No. And then half a teaspoon baking powder. Yes, that's that's okay. a much better that's a much better <laughs> ratio. <laughs> so are you kind of like sifting in a little bit and then mixing it? Actually, I just read it again and it just says to sift it onto the egg mixture and gently fold in, not not and doesn't say it in stages. So I'm just sifting it over pretty thoroughly over the top. Okay. And then I will mix it from there. So I'm okay. gonna do all my sifting at once and then then fold away. I see. I'm done right, sifting. And, and why do we have to sift? What is this doing? So that's mixing together that baking powder and flour so that it's distributed evenly in there. And then the sifting actually adds air into the flour. So it's just helping you keep a, make a slightly lighter cake. Okay, cool. And that's why you're doing that. The folding is you don't want to knock the air out. You're being real gentle with the- You're you know, stirring. Yes. And I'm hoping I got my eggs whipped enough in the first stage because I'm slightly worried. What happens if they weren't whipped enough? It'll be a little dense. Since you're not relying on your eggs to be your total aeration, you've got your baking powder and baking soda in combination with the orange juice that you added in there for acid, and they're going to produce carbon dioxide. So that's the second method of aeration you've got going on in this cake. Okay. So all of that makes it super light though, too. Yes. Okay. It should help lighten the whole thing up. So mine's pretty thoroughly mixed. Okay. Same. It's a beautiful color. And I love seeing that little orange zest in there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sorry. What's next? Next, we are going to line our pan. So we're going to oil our pan a little bit. And I'm just going to use a little zip of olive oil and kind of spread it around with my hand. Okay. And I will use a paper towel. <laughs> sure. What? And miss out on all that excellent moisturization you can get from the, from the olive oil. Good point. Although I, th I think some other people would argue with me about this because they would say that you might not get as good coverage using your hand versus a paper towel. So more testing required, more testing required. Um, does it give advice on how to arrange the no. Okay. So we are on our own as far as our orange design here. And are we basically just lining the bottom and the sides? Yes. That is exactly okay. what the recipe says. They're still hot. Mine aren't as hot as I thought they would be. Hmm. Of course, I'm touching the ones that aren't in the liquid either. I'd be real glad of my little tiny tongs here. Oh man, I hope I have enough slices. Are you trying to like get rid of any like excess liquid or no? Um, a little bit. I mean, I'm okay. kind of letting them drip off in the pan, but it it does say, you know, the syrupy oranges. So I'm okay. guessing they're accounting for the fact that you would have a fair amount of liquid coming off of these guys. So. Perfect. 
At least that's my interpretation. (laughs) (laughs) And I might have like enormous gaping holes in the center. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Trying to use those on around the sides a little bit. On the sides, yeah. So, yeah, this will be my first time using a spring form pan. Uh Oh, yeah, they're handy. Mm -hmm. I can see that. Or you can see why. Because remember my first attempt at upside down cake? It was. (gasps) Oh, right. A disaster. Because. We, oh, we haven't mentioned yet that this is a sort of like an upside down cake, which we didn't like fully understand when we picked it, but then <laughs> we were like, well, that's great. That'll be fun. I ju- yeah, I just thought it was going to be like a, like we were going to arrange the slices of orange on the cake after it was done, not bake it in the cake, but mm-hmm. here we are now. Spring form pan and all. Well, you were going to need one eventually. We yeah, are bound yeah. to make cheesecake on this podcast. Oh, yes. That'll be fun. Some of mine don't want to stay on the side. Yeah, I'm finding the ones that have the holes in the center actually are kind of crap. That's uh, sure the conclusion I'm coming to. So I would use more, but I don't think I really want to do like a, any more of a layer in here. Mm-hmm. that fill up some of the gaps like on the top of it. I'm almost done. So there's still a bit of bitterness to it. Oh, yeah. I wonder, because I think something that people do sometimes is soak it in water first to pull mm, out some mm-hmm. of that bitter. Okay. So that could be a, an edit for this that, you know, slice them and soak them in water first, <laughs> then pull them out and put them into the syrup because, yeah, you get that little bit of bitter, bitterness, but not, not too bad. Okay. Try to squeeze one more in and it's fucking all of them up. No. I mean, not really, but it's knocking all the ones next to it down. Oops. We just decided to embrace the upside down cake after a little bit of thought about it. It's an upside down year. And I do keep saying we are going to, at some point, do a rhubarb upside down cake because both of us love rhubarb. So, uh uh-huh. That sounds delicious. One of my favorite cakes of all time. Ooh, fun. Okay. I think I'm ready to pour my batter in. I just need a little, one more little patch. And then you said to put it on a baking sheet. Yes. Because it has to have sides to catch that liquid. Catch any liquid that might come out. All right. And then you're just pouring the batter right in, correct? Yep. I am going for it. Here we go. So our one drawback from having a larger pan is we got thinner cake. I see. It might cook a little faster. Okay. We'll need to sort of factor that in. I hope my cake at least comes part of the way up the pan. I'm just going to have oranges crumbled on the sides. <laughs> I'm interested to see how much more cooking the oranges do in the oven. Batter's good. Mm. All right. Are you ready? Pretty much one second. I got sticky fingers. Oh, that batter's good. Okay. I'm so, ready. Let's go. So this is supposed to bake for 30 to 35 minutes. So I'm going to set a timer for 25 minutes. Okay. Since our, we both are a little bit large. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it barely came up at all on the side. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Shit. Okay. Gretchen did the toothpick check already, so I'm about to do mine. It's it's and, a bit of a pale color, but yeah. Yeah, definitely paler than I thought, but mine came out clean too. It's really pretty. Pretty. Yes. It's nice. Although the batter did not cover up all of the yeah, oranges. Yeah. A lot of mine just fell over onto the top of the batter. So they kind of cooked in, which is pretty, but mine some of not. them are just yeah, sticking straight up on the side still. <laughs> so I'm going to brush mine with some syrup now. 
Okay, so I don't know if we said that officially. So the last step then is to take the remaining syrup from the orange candies and brush the brush the top bottom top bottom top. Yes, I'll probably brush it one more time before we flip it over. But while it's hot, is a good time to brush it a little bit just because it will soak in a little faster and all over the top generously. Or yeah, gener- be pretty generous with it. It's just gonna soak in and soak down. Cool through the cake. I'm just like burying a Zen moment right now, brushing the top of this cake with <laughs> totally. And it smells so good. So it's just like very relaxing. Got 10 minutes until uh, let it, we need to let it cool at least 10 minutes before we flip it over. Okay. Okay. So we are about to unmold our citrus cake. So I got to give Becca a run through on how we do this spring form pan magic here. Nice thing is mine looks like it's kind of come off the sides. Mine's a non-stick pan, so that helps a little bit, but seems like my oil has done its job. So hopefully we're going to release this latch. Mine just separated from the sides. We're going to take the sides off the springform pan. We're going to put the plate on top of the cake and then we're going to flip it over. Okay. So I undid the outside of my springform. So I flipped the little tabby thing. It comes off and I lift it out. Oh, one of my oranges fell over. Sad. So I flip the plate upside down on top of the cake. Then I flip the cake like so. Ta-da. And then pretty. Wish mine didn't have a pot- pattern on the bottom. Maybe it'll smooth itself out. I guess I needed to cook the slices longer in the in the um in the syrup. Because they don't look as translucent as hers did in the pictures of her cake. That came off pretty easily. Good. Oh, beautiful. Looks very nice. All right. Let's take a, a bite of this baby. Look at it. Ooh, mine's got big old holes in it. Interesting. In the cake? Yeah. Huh. Like a lot more. Uh, I wonder if my second edition of baking soda produced some bigger bubbles or something. Oh, oh my. It's delicious. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I do think I would probably just do a quick soak on the orange slices to mm. try and draw a little bit of that bitterness out mm-hmm. and cook them a little bit longer in the syrup. I see. Because it could be more tender. The slices could could be more tender. I mean, they're really nice right now, but. Yeah, mine are pretty tender and I actually kind of like the texture. It's just a teeny bit of chew. Mm-hmm. The flavor is so nice though. Mm-hmm. Mm, the orange is lovely. Mm, this is so good. Well, either that or go with not not oranges like mine, but with oranges with some thinner skin, maybe. <laughs> mm, mm-hmm. Some oranges with a little less pith. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I wonder if that would help too. Yeah. Well, amazing. Citrus olive oil cake in the books. It's beautiful. And it is really tender. Yeah, it's super soft. But it's not squishy. It's just... <laughs> Nice and buoyant. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, that's real good. Okay. All right, Gluttoneers, we'll be putting the recipe on highgluttony.com and sharing some pictures on Instagram and Facebook. I think that's it. It's our social media. So join us there. Like and subscribe. Yeah, like, like. just like us on whatever you're listening on. For subscribe, yeah. like, subscribe. it helps a lot. And thank you for joining us, Gluttoneers. Hooray! Off we go! Off we go!